Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. So in 2 Corinthians, in chapters 10, verses 3 and 5, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage world war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So today what I'm gonna talk to us about is when we have an enemy and we understand that this enemy is actually not external, it's us. So the title of my message is Verse Us. Verse us. Let me pray for us right now. Father, you are already here and you're already moving. I ask, Father, right now that in this moment that you speak so loudly and you minister to every single heart that can hear me right here in this place and online, that you're about to do some surgical things that need to be removed to set us and unleash us into what you have for us. And I just ask, Father, that we prepare ourselves in this moment. I ask, Father, that I become less and you become greater, that you speak through me, Holy Spirit, and minister and impart your freedom, your truth that will set us free. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen, Amen, Amen. Okay, Are you guys here? Amen. All right, well, give your neighbor an elbow bump. If you're online, go ahead and get your fingers ready to chat. I wanna hear from you too. How many people here love to work out? Who's like a workout junkie? Like, oh yeah, there you, okay, yeah, okay, fine. All right, and everyone else is looking at you like, great, great for you. I, I'm actually, I'm okay. I've, I've been an athlete my whole life. I've played sports since I was little. And I understand the power and the importance of working out. But one of my pet peeves with working out, especially when I'm being instructed by the coaches, and I, I play basketball and volleyball, and there's always a point in the practice, or right now I got a Peloton bike, and I love me some Peloton. And so, um, but there's always a point when I'm riding that the instructor trying to be encouraging will say something like, hey, it's not physical right now, it's just mental. It's all in your head, just break through, and you can do it. And you're looking at them like, no, it's really physical. I, no, I'm, I'm really tired. No, I'm really not trying to actually crank it up a notch. I'm actually good where I am. And you have these battles that you have with yourselves internally when you're working out. Um, just last week, actually, we went on a staff retreat, the central staff here. We went up to the mountains to hear from the Lord, to get inspired, to come back. And some healthy competition ensued. And we played a game called spike ball. Has anyone played spike ball before? I'd never heard of it, but basically it's like a version of netball versus soccer but anyway but but what you have to do you have to kind of like hit the ball and it goes flying off and we were in groups of two and I'm really competitive as I said before I like like I'm literally shaking like I'm so like I need a win I need a win like I'm not I, I feel like my girls I'm gonna be that parent in this thing being like you better win and like they're five years old I'm like there is no losing in basketball you know I'm gonna I already know I know myself I know me and so this is, again, spike ball, no consequence to any of our lives. But you'll have thought we had like a prize on the line. And um, 
the only other person that rivals me in competition is Pasta Carly. Pasta Carly, like you see her passion when she's calling down the gates of hell and worship. She brings that same energy into whatever she does off, like same on platform as she's off platform. And there was actually this moment where she was not winning for a good amount of time. Um, but there was a point where she was winning and she still had this really intense, like angry look on her face. And I can't remember who said it to her, but it was like, hey, you're winning. And she's like, I'm not winning. They're just playing so bad. They're just losing themselves. Like, she, she's so competitive. She says, if I, I want to win right, I just want to be winning because you're so bad. I want to win because you're I'm actually good. I saw this same intensity, actually, when I was watching the semifinals of the Australian Open. How many people saw Serena versus Naomi? And that was a sad match to watch. Um, and Serena, to me, is the greatest of all time, like one of the greatest athletes to walk the earth. A lot of people are like, who's better, LB, like LeBron James or Michael Jordan? I'm like, Serena Williams. Like, <laughs> that's not the question. You're not asking, like, the answer is Serena Williams. She, no one has transformed the, a game like she has. Tennis literally looks different because she arrived on the scene. She's a game changer. And here she is now in the Australian Open against Naomi Osaka, who is also phenomenal in her own right. But after the game, and one of the hardest things for an athlete to me is after you lose, having to do pre, like interviews. Like, I'm such a sore loser. I just, I admire their composure when they have to talk about play by play how they lost the game. And the, one of the commentators were like, hey, Serena, you just, you had a lot of errors. Why is that? And you could just see she just was so defeated. Because at the end of the day, she knew she came down to, it came down to unforced errors. That it wasn't that Naomi was so good, it's just that she beat herself. And I wonder how many of us are going through lives and we're entering battles and we're losing because of unforced errors. It's not because the enemy necessarily is that good. It's not that he's that crafty and that deceiving, but we've got battles that we're fighting with that no one sees and we're losing because of unforced errors. I feel like sometimes we think of this enemy as an external force and you hear things and you hear songs and you're trying to your best to fight outside but what if the enemy is really the enemy? Because at the end of the day, if the battle is myself versus myself, there's no winners out of that. I lose no matter which side of the battle comes out. So I want to take us on a journey right now to understand how do we exactly fight against these battles when it's against ourselves? How do we apply verses to us? See, whether you know it or not, you're in a constant battle. You didn't sign up for this battle. You didn't enlist for it. But the moment that you were born, you entered into a battle. And it's the battle of your mind. You know, Ephesians 6 says it like this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, the enemy knows that if he can get you to take your attention off the real enemy and focus on something else, then you can lose before you even begin. Right. Pastor Adam said it so beautifully in one of his sermons. He said it this way. He said, if the enemy can get you to defeat you, then he doesn't have to disqualify you. He doesn't have to try and disqualify you if you've already defeated yourself. And a lot of us are playing these battles and we've got different things that we're wrestling with. And inside, we know that we are just facing off with our own selves. 
some of these battles may not actually be actual ring matches. And that's what makes it hard is that you don't always see it. If we knew, for example, that I need to suit up right now and get ready for a battle, we'll come prepared with some weapons to be able to handle off some things. But a lot of these battles, no one will ever see. And we have mental health statistics to teach us that people face off with dark things without a single person even knowing it until it's too late. Some of us, these battles can look like insecurities. You battle with where you thought you should be in life, right? You know, where you thought you should be in life at this time versus where you are right now. You thought I should be married by now and I'm not right married right now. I should have children by now and I don't have kids right now. I should be further along in my education and my career, but I'm not right now. And you battle against that. You battle against physical insecurities, what you think you should look like versus what you actually do. And you have this image inside of your mind that really forms everything that you think is perfection. And you're going after that, but you're battling against the reality of what you're going through right now. Some of us have self-doubt battles. We don't know if we can do it. We battle our confidence in the abilities that we think we should have versus the reality of what we do. And oftentimes we have an evidence, physical evidence, real life evidence to show us and give us pinpoint locations of why we should have these battles. You have failed in the past. You didn't grow up without a father. There are actual things that you know that you, it's not make-believe, but that you're struggling with. One of the battles actually that I really heard so clearly from the Lord that some of us might be struggling with is called the imposter syndrome. And I learned this term when I was working in corporate America as an attorney, and they would often talk to us, especially when you are doing well, that you're still unable to fully enjoy it. There's this sinking feeling inside of you. And you feel like at any moment, someone's going to find me out, that the only reason that I'm here at this point is by luck or by happenstance, or they just don't realize, and I'm going to get a call from my boss at any point, and they're going to be like, what are you doing? I know I struggle with that sometimes when I first came on staff, and I was like, I am not the person for this job. They're going to realize this soon enough. I'm going to, and I would just practice my resignation. It's been the honor of my lifetime to serve in you. I'm just so grateful that you gave me, but I understand the evidence has come out. Like I just, I made it this far, guys. Like, you know, and we have all these things that we rehearse in our minds that at any moment we're going to be found out. See, no matter who you are, you're always going to be in a battle with yourself. This is not something that you can just escape until you face off with it. And the dangerous thing is if we try and ignore this battle is that the power of our thoughts is misunderstood. Our lives will move in the direction of our strongest thought. The fact that you're sitting here right now is a result of a series of thoughts. You maybe at one point saw an ad for Vive Church and you thought, oh, that looks like a cool church. And we've gone by and then you saw it come up. Oh, I might come. And all these thoughts led to your behaviors that led you to sit here right now. You know, Jesus understood the power of thoughts. He understood that thoughts will always lead behavior. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he said this, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks like a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The power of our thoughts, and here's the thing about it, is that we live in a world that always elevates behavior over thoughts, always elevates what we can see over the unseen. And that is why you can have leaders that on the surface look incredible and leading and doing amazing things, and you can blink, and the next thing they're admitting to things that you thought they were never going through. 
is because we live in a world that will forever tell us that it doesn't matter actually what's going on in the unseen realm. As long as what you produce, what we can see looks good. If it's shiny on the surface, let's just focus on that. Forget what you actually went through. Forget what you think about when there's no one else in the room and just by yourself at night. That doesn't matter. You know, I, I actually remembered a story when I was thinking about this. And um, it was when my sister and I were little and we were over at a friend's house, actually my parents' friend's house, and they had a kid that we'd never played with before. And so when we were having dinner together, she seemed perfectly normal. She was younger than us, but a little bit chubbier. She was like a cute little girl. And I was like, oh, she's so adorable. And so my parents were like, oh, let's you know, go over and play with her in her room. And I was like, yay, playtime. So we go to her room, and as soon as the door closed, I, I promise you, ask my sister, she turns into like demon child. She was like, oh, now I shall lock you in here. Like literally, she says to me and my sister, she's like, I have locked the door and you cannot get out of here. You will stay here and play with me. And I remember like, my sister was actually telling me the story, like we were crying. We were like, this is it. I'll never see my parents again. And she was like, I've locked the door. And so she forced us to play all these games with her. And I was like, literally felt like hours. It probably was going to be like 20 minutes. But it, for when you're little, time just feels like forever. And I was like, how are we going to get out of here? And I was scheming and all these things. And then my dad comes in and opens the door. So, and he's just like, hey, time to go. And I realized that door was never locked. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry, little girl. You told me you locked the door. But because she had told me she locked the door, I didn't even attempt to open the door. See, a lie that you believe is true will affect your life as if it's true. If you believe something long enough, you will sit there in your prisons and in your mental blockages, not even trying to open the door because you think the door is locked. And if the enemy can get into your mind and deceive you enough to keep you held down, to keep you in bondage, to say, hey, you better sit in here and play with me. You can't get out of here. The door is locked. I've locked the door. You're not even going to get up and try and open the door. But guess what? Today we're going to open some doors. Today I'm going to show you where that handle is and you're about to walk free. Let, let me actually paint a clearer picture for you guys of what it looks like when we're battling against ourselves. Can I have my team come up here? Ben, right here, he, he's, uh, he's us. Ben's every, per Ben's every person, you know it's true. He can read your thoughts right now. Okay, so this is Ben, right? He represents you and me, just doing life, having a good time, life's going good, right? You're doing good, you're going for your purpose, you're serving in the house of God, you, you're showing up, you're on special ops, what? You did king, you've been, just been incredible. But all of a sudden, Ben, sometimes you have a thought. And it could have come when you were little and someone said to you, hey, you're, you're lazy. You can't do anything. And so this thought is in the back of your mind and you're like, no, 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 no I'm not going to let that control me. I'm going to work hard. And so you try and rein in the thought. You try and control it with everything you have. And you're like, I'm going to control that thought. I'm going to control that thought. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're controlling it. And then you might have another thought of self-doubt or insecurities or I didn't, I didn't get enough education and I didn't get enough. And so you, I'm going to control that thought. And all this time you're thinking that you're controlling the thoughts and people tell you, hey, take a step towards your future. Go towards what God has for you. Go forward. But the reality is when you think you're controlling your thoughts, it's really your thoughts that are controlling you because they're preventing you from doing what God has for you. But here's the thing about it, because the thoughts are so out there and you, you have no way to control them. The thoughts can attach to other thoughts and you can have strongholds form. 
And let me tell you about strongholds. Oh. Oh. When strongholds forms, here's the thing about it, and psychologists will describe this to you as a, a pattern of thinking. When one thought leads to another thought, and at the end of the day, because you don't have a strong anchor point, you are easily pulled in the direction of your stronger thought. And you have a life that will look not like what you designed for it and what you know God has for you, but because you have not been able to control the thoughts, they're pulling you in a direction against your will. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so I want to go us on a journey right now to understand how do we break free from that and live free from the life that God wants us to have. And I thought of this brilliant technology company who has changed the lives of millions and millions of people. The way we use phones and computers has just inspired the masses. That's right, I'm talking about Apple. And I want all my Android users to take this moment right now in the middle of my sermon to just, just repent. Just take a minute and say, God, I am not worthy. Because Apple has done some brilliant things in our lives. That's right, Austin. The one that's leading you worship, Android user. I feel like it's going to be like a mark. Android, Android, Android. That's right. But here's the brilliant thing that Apple did. From 1997 to 2002, they ran a campaign. And the campaign was just two words. Think different think different. And I know my Android users are going to go on like the irony because everyone now has an Apple and an iPhone and they're all thinking the same, but they started off, okay? They started off with a campaign that says think different. And I feel like that's what God want, needs us to do. God needs us to think different from how the world thinks and how the world operates and what's controlling people's lives. The Bible says it this way. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In 2 Corinthians, actually, the, the verse that we opened up with in chapter 10, verse 3, it says it this way, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. See, there's a reality that the world has a way of doing things and we are constantly required to think different from that, to move in a different way, to think, and it's hard to do that when you're in the system, to think different from the systems, a little bit matrixy, because you're like, how do I break free? And I'm going to give you three points on that. To pre-frame, that's right, <laughs> to pre-frame, to position, and to purpose. Pre-frame, position, purpose. Can you guys say that with me? Pre-frame, position, purpose. When your thoughts get dark, pre-frame, position, purpose. You have nowhere to go. Pre-frame, position, purpose. And point number one is pre-frame. Pre-frame, another way to say that is to ask yourself, what is the filter I'm putting upon what I'm seeing? Instagram gives us all these different filters and you can have the same picture and depending on the filter that you put on it, we'll, you'll feel different about the picture. You, you pop on that black and white and you're like, oh, that looks so that nostalgia. You put on that like sepia sort of filter and it feels different again. You put on a vivid picture and, you, and it's the same picture, but the filter that you apply across that picture will help have you seen that picture in a different way. And I want some of us to understand that there are some filters that God has asked us to have. There's some ways of seeing the world that he wants to frame inside of us. But if your frame is already messed up and you don't have the correct filter, no matter how beautiful the picture is, no matter how 
beautiful your family is, no matter how blessed you are, you're always going to look at it and have a little bit of a different perception on it. That's how someone can look at your life and think you've got it made, but internally you're still struggling with the picture that it looks like. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, God, he describes it like this for us. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so the filters, these are different filters that God has for us, different ways he wants us to see the world. Is it true? Is it true, first and foremost? Because truth has been, let me tell you, the last year or so, we've now had varieties of truth. And I understand that people are so like confused about what's going on. But fundamentally, whatever you're looking at, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Have these filters over your circumstances. Have these filters over your thoughts as you're thinking about it. So the first thing is to pre-frame and get the right frame in. The second thing I want to talk about is position. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 2 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And there's a word there that I just love so much, and that's the word set. Set. Where is your mind set right now? We talk about mindsets. I want to know where your mind is set. Because from the position that your mind is, it's going to affect totally how you see the world, how you see your thoughts and how you wage the battles. If you're right now and you're here trying to just struggling and you're being pulled in multiple directions and you have these eternal battles, may I just suggest that maybe your mind is not set on things above. You have to get, make sure that your mind is set on the way that God sees things. It says, set your mind in the heavens. And that does not mean we become Christians that become no earthly good because we're still busy sitting barefoot and just in our zones, in our homes, and not going outside to engage with the world. That is useless and ineffective. That's not what God is saying here. He's saying, what I need you to do is remember who I am. Remember what I say about you. Remember, I am who you say I am. I can do what you say I can do. That is where you need to set your mind. And the mind that is set in the things above does not wander. It does not wander. Even if you do, then you come back because you're set on the things above. Isaiah 43 verse 25. I just wanted to, I don't know who this is for, but I actually prepared my notes and I didn't have this verse in. Not the production team. I was like, add this, add this verse in. Because I feel like someone here needs to remember this. And you've been walking with God for a little bit. You're not brand new to this. You're true to this. But God has said to you and you've, you've wondered, Am I, how do you see me, God? And the reality is the filter that you still have, have yourself is your pre-Christian life. And you feel like an imposter because you're like sitting here in church right now. Or you're listening and you tell people you're a Christian. But the thoughts that you have and the things that you do, you know, doesn't reflect who you know to be. And what's really holding you back is not necessarily the behaviors that you're doing, but the thoughts that you have that lead to those behaviors. But I want you to be free because God says this in Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Wow. 
So here's the reality is when God looks at you, after you've said, Jesus, take away my sins, it says, I, even I am He who remembers your sins no more. For my own sake, to be true to my word, I need to make sure that you understand that I see you as righteous. I see you as a conqueror. I see you as pure. I see you as sanctified. I see you as purified. When I give you a will, when I give you directions, because I see you a certain way. And that is where we need to set our minds on that. Set your mind on things above. Don't allow the enemy to make you feel like a civilian because you are royalty. You've got royalty, royalty inside your DNA. There is royalty in your blood. And you need to have the mindset of royalty. You need to have the mindset of authority because once you surrender your life to Christ, it is not you that lives, but Christ in you. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I have to realize that there are certain things that I need to do that I need to position myself. God can't position you for you. That's what you need to do for yourself is position yourself. And that is from that place why we tell people to get into the house of God and to get into your word and to worship, not for yourself, but to realign. Because let me tell you, and I know this firsthand, it is easy to wander and to be hear what the world says about you and say, hey, you're, you're a female preacher and this and, and you, you put on those mindsets. But I tell you, I've learned to set my mind on what God says about me and come back to that. It's not the color of my skin or my education or who I was before that tells me who I am. It is the word of God. It is what I go to when I go into the, when I get into my closet and I kneel down before him, I say, what do you see about me? What is it that you've put inside of me? And it's from that position that I set my mind on things above. Because you've been enlisted in the battle, but you cannot think like a civilian. You're now a soldier and you need to have a soldier mentality that you've got one plan to do and one thing to conquer. And the third thing I want to encourage us is in purpose. The purpose of our thoughts. You know, in verse 5, it says, we take captive every thought. And you saw Ben up here. He took those thoughts captive. He had them. He had a hold on them. But the reality is we forget the rest of the verse, which says, to make it obedient to Christ. The reality is our thoughts aren't there to serve us, but to serve Christ. And until we take those thoughts and make it captive to Jesus, make it obedient to Jesus, tell those thoughts here, I'm going to, I serve him and you either serve him or you get out. Because it says to demolish strongholds and pretensions that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. So you've got two options, thoughts. You can either come with me to serve Christ or you can be demolished. Those are the only two things. See, obedience to Jesus says, I will bow down my insecurity. I will bow down self-help. I will bow down self-doubt. I will bow down that, is, uh, that imposter syndrome to the Lordship of Christ. When an opportunity comes and a thought comes to my mind, I know the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I say, I'm going to bow that thought down and proceed in the direction. You see, I said before, sometimes it's me versus me. But the reality, it's really me versus God. It's everything that I think that I am and I think the world has put on me. And for some of us, it literally was something that happened to you when you were little or someone said something to you. It's not something anything you've done, but that thought has taken root in your heart and you've never been able to shake it off. But can I encourage us when it is me versus God that we side with God against ourselves? You say, I'm going to believe what God says, no matter what it means. I'm going to choose His side, even though I have evidence to the contrary. For whatever reason, God, you see me as how you see me, and I hear it now. But I hear some of your thoughts right now. 
It's like, hey, that's all good and dandy. I know I need to position myself. But how do I do that when I have these thoughts pulling me? How do I do that when, I, when everything looks good on the surface? I have a beautiful wife and my kids are great. But these thoughts, they, I can't shake them. I can't move them. Well, let me show you. If I can get my team back up here. Come on, team. It's almost like freeze frame. <laughs> when we last lost Saul Ben, he was struggling between thoughts. Okay. <laughs> and then Donald, you can come back to the stronghold because we've got to deal with some strongholds before we can even get to thoughts, right? And a lot of us, what happens is we're in this position and you're right now in this position and you're hearing what I'm saying and you've heard variations of this, of I need to take control of my thoughts. I need to own and it's, it's important because it affects my behavior. But the reality is you don't even have an arm to fight with because you're busy trying to hold on for dear life. But the first thing I want to encourage us to do is we need to rein in those thoughts. Because when the thoughts are far away, when they're distant from you, you can't really control them too much. You can't really, and you need to rein those thoughts in. That looks like identifying it. That means I'm going to face off with it. And for some of us, it may actually require you to see someone professionally. Maybe you need medication to get that strength to rein in the thoughts. The purpose of medication is not to keep you in bondage then to medication, but to give you enough sensibility so you can have the power to rein those thoughts in. And once the thoughts are reined in and you're able to identify them and you're able to face with up with them, then from this position, you can control them. You can tell them to go and to bow down. You can tell strongholds, I'm going to demolish you. Donald, you better get out of here. We no longer need you in this place because you got them close. And the Word says it this way, it calls us to repent. And repent isn't just saying, I'm sorry, God, for the things I've done. I'm sorry for the behaviours. But repentance is a change of mindset, a change of heart that says, I'm going to turn. Can you turn them now? Can you turn your thoughts once you face up with them? And I'm going to walk towards the right direction. I'm going to walk towards where God wants me to be. You see, the reality is, you guys can go, thank you. See, some of us have let our thoughts get so out of control and they're so far and we just have them in the background of our lives and we think like, oh, this is a battle I'm gonna have to live with forever. But I was a psychology major and I've seen the effects of mental health on our population and our, and our people, even out, inside the church and outside the church. And, and the ability of the mind is nothing to treat lightly. We need to say this in the Word, we have the mind of Christ. And I feel like God was very intentional about putting that in the Word to remind us about the mindset we need to walk with, the mindset we need to have. And once you're able to rein in those thoughts and you face off with them and you say, okay, I know, I know why I think like this and I understand it, but I will make you obedient to Jesus Christ. Because I'm not gonna lie to you, you will always have some thoughts. You may sometimes struggle with self-doubt and have fears and things like that, but here's the decision you make. You say either I demolish that stronghold or you're obedient to Jesus. Those are the two options. I'm not preaching a fancy, like it's always gonna feel good. You're going to have to face off with some things daily. And that is why we get into our Word. And that is why we worship. And that is why we forsake not the gathering of believers so that we can get our minds right to face what's ahead. I have enough mental fortitude, not because of my own strength, but because of what God has done for me, what God has done in me, what God is doing through me. And I am so, I just feel in this moment so strongly that the Spirit of God is here. 
And there are some of us that have been battling with mental health and battling with thoughts. And it's not a battle anyone sees, but God has located you right now. God has located exactly where you are for you to hear this message and to remind you that in and of yourself, you do not have the strength to face off with that. Because even that process to rein in is so physically exhausting. And I just had two thoughts up there. Some of us have thousands. Some of us have many things that we have just fighting against. But let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the one who bore your sins and put it on the cross. And He says that when He died, He thought of you. He thought of every single battle you face. And a lot of times we think battles, we think illness or we think external things or God has already faced off with, you know, financial situations and all those things are true. But I believe first and foremost, Jesus understood what the mental and the thought battles we will have. You see, right before He goes on the cross, there's this moment in Gethsemane. And it's one of my favorite moments when I read about Jesus because I feel so connected with Him. And He's praying and He's got His boys with Him and He tells them to, hey, stay watch and they fall asleep. So you guys know people sometimes can't, can't trust them. <laughs> so it's just Him and God. And He's praying in the garden and He says, He says, if there's, any, if there's any way that this cup can be moved from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And I feel like in that moment, God wanted us to see that it wasn't just, Jesus didn't just like decide, oh gosh, I've got everything, I've got, but he had, to, he had to wrestle with some things himself. He had to decide that even though I am the Son of God, I've got to make sure that I tell myself, self, we're going to do the will of God, yet not my will, yet not my thoughts, yet not the things inside of me, yet not my insecurities, yet not my self-doubt, yet not my belittling, yet not the things that I say about me, but your will be done. Your will be done in my life. Your will be done in the way I work. And Jesus said, I need to go so that I can send up Spirit, my very presence to be with you. So that when you are in your midnight hour and you are on your bed and you are crying out to God to take this from you and to take these thoughts away from you and you want to hurt yourself, yet not my will but yours be done. And I want to pray for us in this moment. I want to pray for every single person right now that knows what it's like to struggle with ourselves and to battle with ourselves. I had a friend, um, someone actually I was leading, and she was in my home and she was struggling with all these things and she was telling me about, you know, how she saw it. She was saying these just vile things about herself. And I held her and I said, who told you that? Why would you say that about yourself? I don't see that. And in Genesis 3, I remember God and I remember you have the Garden of Eden and you have Adam and Eve and they sinned and they did what they shouldn't do and they were hiding. And then God's like, where are you? I'm looking for you. And they said, we were naked and so we hid from you. And God looks at them, I feel like, and He probably like, I was like, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were worthless? Who told you that you would never amount to anything? Who told you that you will always struggle with that? Because you've got to understand the who behind that. We learned in week one, Jesus versus the devil. But in week two, Pastor Adam came forward and said, you've got to come back with some questions of your own. Who told me that I was worthy? Who told me that I'm strong? Who told me I'm more than a conqueror? Who told me that I've got everything I need? Who told me that there is nothing that will stand against me? That the love of God, who's told me these things? Who's told me these things? 
Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't want to miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org, to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.